Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Hallelujah. Go, go if you will, back to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're studying the authority of the believer, and for a few minutes this morning, I'm going to begin, because certainly you should not be able to exhaust this subject in one meeting. I don't think you can do it in a week. I don't think you could do it in a month. I don't think you could do it in a year. But I would call this the pivotal, foundational strength of the authority of the believer. Now, that's what we've been teaching on for several weeks here. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? I know we've got several visitors here this morning. What do you mean by the authority of the believer? Well, we would define that as the authority that Jesus Christ himself secured through his death, burial, and resurrection. Not only that, through him ascending into heaven, pouring his blood on the mercy seat, and sending the Holy Ghost down to the earth to abide in and live upon saints and believers. Can I get a better amen than that? Now, let me, let me just say this right up front. A lot of Christianity is sitting back believing for God to do something. That's not how the system works. The Apostle Paul calls the redemptive message a system of truth. You must understand the system of truth and how it works for the believer. This one doctrine, that it, it, it kind of stayed in the shadows for many years. But in about 1962, 63, 64, a man of God named Kenneth E. Hagan wrote a little book called The Authority of the Believer. And that book went worldwide. And I'm going to tell you, spiritually, it is the reason why there is no Iron Curtain today. It is the reason why there is revival in China. It is the reason why whole nations and cities have been changed is because that Christians have found out it's really not what God's going to do because he's already done it. It's what you're going to do with his authority and his power. Now, what we're going to get into this morning, and we're just going to begin to get into it, this is the pivotal foundational strength of the message of the authority of the believer, and that is the power that is in the name of Jesus. Oh, I tell you, I don't get a better amen than that. I'm talking about the power that is in the name of Jesus. That is the power to save. That is the power to heal. That is the power to baptize in the Holy Ghost. That is the power to break the back of poverty. That is the power to deliver from drug addiction. That is the power to give you a life like you never dreamed before you could live. But it's also the power for you to exercise the authority of God here on the earth. Many times we pray, Lord, change this circumstance, change this situation, change this problem, change this area of my life. And God's looking around saying, no, I'm not going to change it. You change it. I've given you authority. I've given you my name. I've given you my word. You get out there and you change it in Jesus' name. Listen, if you're born again in this building this morning, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're not a natural person any longer. You're a supernatural person. I said, you're a supernatural person. You're an overcomer. You're a devil chaser. The devil shouldn't be chasing you. You ought to be chasing the devil. You're a demon overcomer. You're a sickness overcomer. Listen, you are delivered from whatever it is the enemy has tried to put upon your life and you've got to rise up and you've got to exercise that power. This ain't for lazy people. So well, just, just pray for me that I'll make it. I'm gonna pray you get a revelation. <laughs> I'm gonna pray you make it to church and get taught the word of God so that you can overcome your circumstance and situation by the power that's in the name of Jesus. 
Now, this is what we left off a couple of weeks ago. We were teaching out of this particular scripture. It says in the gospel of John, Jesus speaking to us here, verse 12 says, verily, verily, truly, truly. Remember what we said about that? How, you know, when we go to court, we swear to tell the, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. How that's kind of a vow that Jesus made. He's literally saying, I'm, I'm swearing to you. I'm telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Oh, you ought to shout it over that. This is Jesus speaking. He said, the works that I do, shall you, what did he do? Why, he healed the sick. He calmed the sea. He brought supernatural provision. He, he went, the Bible says in Acts 10, 30, he went about doing good. Thank God for all the good that men and women can do in the natural. But what if you got a little super rubbed on your natural? That's what we're talking about. Amen. The works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these because I go unto my father. And we talked about that last time. We know greater works and, and people being saved. Nobody got saved in that day. People are getting saved now. But listen, God wants you empowered. Thank God for all the great ministry gifts, for all the great ministry endowments. But listen, you're a minister. That's what we're gonna, at the very end of this series, I'm gonna teach on your ministry. So you mean I need to run out and, and form a ministry? No, no. Every person in the body of Christ is classified as an ambassador. You're a minister of reconciliation. You're a representative of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I better be careful. I'd preach that message, Amen. Now notice what it says here. And whatsoever, this verse 13, whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, now notice that. If you ask anything in my name, now we looked at, we're not gonna do it today, but we looked at John chapter 16 where it was talking about prayer and going to the heavenly Father in the name of Jesus and asking for something. The name of Jesus is your access to the Father. Let me say that again. The name of Jesus is access to the Father. Listen, we can worship Jesus. We can glorify his name. We can exalt him and praise him, and we do that. But when it comes to asking for something, we don't ask Jesus. We ask the Father in his name. Gospel of John chapter 16. What was that old song people used to say, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want? You can't do that. Don't ask Jesus. Everybody say, don't ask Jesus. And let me help some of you. Some, now, don't throw, don't throw nothing at me this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Don't ask Mary. Don't ask St. Peter. So I've been praying to St. Peter all week. Quit. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, that word ask in John chapter 16 means to make petition, to ask, or make a request. But now this word ask means to demand. Now, you don't go to God and demand. You don't go to, I demand. No, you don't go. This is talking about circumstances, situations, cancers, addictions, poverty trying to attack your finances, depression trying to get on your mind. Anything that comes at you and you need help right then and there, there is a name above every name. I said there is a name above every name and God has given you that name so that you can use it and release his power. Now I'm gonna make this statement then we'll come back and teach on it in just a moment. 
the name of Jesus. Write this down. And if you're taking notes or doing it on your iPad, let me just say this real quick about teaching the Word of God. Teaching the Word of God is like eating food. This is the bread of life. Listen, it's not how much food you eat. It's how much you digest. Everybody say digest. That means you should take notes. You should write down scriptures. You should mark scriptures that we teach on so that you can go back and meditate upon them. You say, now why should I meditate upon them? Because meditation is the digestion process. Every day I meditate on scriptures. Every day I wake up in the morning meditating. I go to bed meditating. I meditate, not medicate. Some of you, if you do as much meditation as you do medication, you'd get off the medication because of the meditation. Woo, that was a word, wasn't it? (laughs) Too much medication, not enough meditation. As you meditate on the Word of God, that's that's where it becomes real. That's where it becomes part of your bone and part of your flesh. It becomes what you say in a crisis and what you do. You've got to meditate upon the Word of God. The Bible should just lay dormant on your counter, on your table every day. You ought to get it up and get it in you. Everybody say, get it up, get it in me. Get it up, get it in me. So mark these scriptures. Now, whatsoever you ask or demand in my name, I will do it. So the name of Jesus, everybody say the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus takes the place of Jesus being personally present with us. Now, let me say that again. This is an important point. You've got to get this in your spirit. The name of Jesus takes the place of Jesus being personally present with us. I mean, every one of us has been in a a situation with, oh, if only Jesus were here. If only Jesus would arrive. If only he'd walk through that door and lay his nail-scarred hand on my fevered brow. Listen, he's here. The name of, uh, when I got this revelation, it changed the way I viewed the name of Jesus. The Bible, the book of John, same gospel. You don't have to turn there, but in, in, in the first chapter, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Listen, when you say in the name of Jesus, you are taking the entire Word of God and slapping it in the devil's face. He is the Word. He was the Word. He will ever be the Word. If you ask anything in my name, I We'll do it. Now, Mark chapter 16 real quick, then we'll go to the book of Acts. Mark chapter 16. Now, traditionally, that's why I don't like a lot of traditional theology. Traditionally, they call this the Great Commission. When Jesus, after he had died upon the cross, after he had rose from the dead, after he had appeared unto the disciples, as he's leaving to go back to heaven, he gives them, I guess a better way to say it, he gives them a charge. You know what that means? To give someone a charge. He gives them a charge. Now, a lot of people call it the Great Commission. I call it the Great Rebuke. Now, notice what it says. We like to start in verse 15, but I start in verse 14. It says, afterward, he appeared unto the left. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Now, just, just for a moment, use your imagination. You're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. You've heard his message. You've seen his miracles. You saw him stretched out upon that cross. You see the blood running out of his hands and the blood running out of his feet. 
You see the blood running off from where the crown of thorns were. You saw the gaping wound in his side where the Roman stuck the spear up in his side. You saw his back that was beaten to a bloody pulp by the, by the, uh, by the Roman lictor that laid the stripes upon him. You saw him die. You saw him put into a tomb. You saw a stone roll over that tomb. And you saw the Roman government come and take a big urn of wax and pour it on that tomb and put a stamp that says, if anybody breaks that seal, you're gonna have to deal with the whole Roman government. But I got good news. On that Easter morning, somebody broke that seal. They didn't care about the Roman government. They didn't care about all the governments on the earth. He was risen from the dead. And here it says he did what? He appeared to him. What the, oh my goodness. There's not, a, there's not a level of ecstasy that we have experienced that is on this level. We will one day. I said, we, we, we will one day when we behold him. But I'm telling you, he appeared unto them. Unto the 11. As they sat at meat, they were sitting eating. Now notice this. He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he had risen. So they were, they were sitting there doubting. You ever doubted? Now it's one thing to come to Island Church and, and have the word of God address your doubt. <laughs> it's another thing for Jesus to walk through a wall and with fire in his eyes and saying, how come you didn't believe him when I told you I was risen from the dead? That's what he did. Amen. So here's how he addresses it. I can just see him doing this. Fire in his eyes. He says in verse 15. This is uh, Mark 16, verse 15. He said unto them, go. Everybody say go. go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now let me just say this. Now listen. I know that there's always controversy and nobody ever wants to touch this because it's so controversial. And myself, I'm no man's judge. I send no one to hell. Amen? I, I'm not. I, that, that's, that's, that's a person's own personal belief. But I'm going to tell you, there's not but one way to heaven. Now, now listen to what the scripture says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Period. He that believeth not shall be damned. You know, there was a man... Uh, a full gospel businessman uh, many years ago. I don't know any of you remember, there was a horrible plane crash in the Canary Islands. Two, a 747 was taxiing full of people and another 747 came and landed right on top of it. Kaboom. And this horrible fire ensued. And this man who's a Christian full gospel businessman was sitting in one of the 747s and he cried out to God, God save me. God save me. And right over the, uh, the, the, the roof of the plane that he was on, a space opened up and he was able to stand up on the seat and slide down the, the, the side of the deal on the wing and off and run. He was the only one that survived. One person survived. They, he said this in his testimony. I heard him give his testimony. He said, I didn't even have the smell of smoke on my clothes. And he went all over the world giving that testimony of how God delivered him. But in his testimony, this is what he said. He said, as I was exiting this plane, I heard a mass of people not crying out to God, but cursing God as they died. Listen, it's, it's that you say, it can't be that black and white, Pastor. There's good people. No, he that believeth shall be saved. Those that believeth not 
shall be damned. That's why we have to so adamantly preach the gospel and encourage people to be born again, be right with God, live for the Lord. Amen? It says in these signs, everybody say signs. Now, what are signs? Signs are things that point to something. Signs are things that give direction. Signs impart information. Amen. We have signs around here tell you how to get out of the building. There are exit signs, other signs. Signs give direction. Signs point to something. Now notice this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now this goes kind of back to, to mentioning everyone has a ministry. That believe. I don't think you're getting that. That believe. Not, not, not these signs shall follow just the first apostolic generation. No. These signs shall only follow the five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, teacher. No. These signs shall follow only those with special endowments that have had visions and dreams and God has come and ministered to them. No. Come on. These signs shall follow them that believe. Any believers in here? Woo, glory to God. Now notice this. In my name, everybody say in my name, they shall cast out devils. Come on, church. So oh, the devil, he's been giving me problems. He's been messing with me. He's been, turn around and cast him out. You say, how can I do that? In his name. Anybody know that name? It's the name of Jesus. Listen, the devil will give you as much trouble as you let him. Some of you need to go home this afternoon and stomp your foot on the ground and say, devil, it's over. It's over in my household. It's over in my body. It's over in my finances. It's over in Jesus' name. Out of here. I'll tell you what you ought to do. That's a good idea. Thank you, Lord. You ought to write him an eviction notice. Just get into the Word of God. Get your name of Jesus Scriptures. Just write it down. Put his name at the top, your name at the bottom. Put it on your refrigerator and say, every time the devil messes with your mind, just point at it and say, out of here, devil. Ever say, out of here, devil. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Now, you're not one of them tongue-talking churches. Yes, we are. I tell you, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the power of God. We thank God that He's allowed His Spirit to come upon us to empower us. We're not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power. You say it's not popular. That's from back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. We don't care. We've seen it in the Word. We're ruined for it in Jesus' name. In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, they shall take up serpents. Well, we don't have any snakes around here. And we're not going to get any. Amen. I have a friend. He pastors in Timisoara, Romania. I went to Bible school with him named Daniel Matai. And Daniel, was, Daniel, when he was in Bible school, he's got a tremendous testimony how God supernaturally brought him to the United States, gave him a vision of Lakewood Church. He went over there and got prepared for ministry, went back to Romania and built a wonderful church. But while he was in Bible school, like me, he and I were both traveling. And somebody scheduled him in some church way up in, in the mountains somewhere in, 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 in uh, Tennessee. And it was one of those snake churches. He didn't know it. It's a true story. 
And Brother Daniel said, he said, he's up there. He got up to preach and he got up. He had a way, Brother Daniel, he had a way. You just had to know him. He just, he'd preach and then tears would just roll down his face. And this guy come walking up the aisle with two snakes in his hands, two big rattlesnakes. And Daniel said, he said, I looked at that. He said, I didn't have any conscious thought in my mind whatsoever. He said, it just rose up out of my spirit. He said, I said, in the name of Jesus, die. And both of those snakes fell dead in that man's hand. Amen. Well, what is a snake? Well, we know it's a type of satanic activity. We know, we know it's, a, it's a serpent. But, you know, if I'm going somewhere and I see a snake, I try to go around it. We tend to give them space, amen? But here's the thing. Anything that would hinder you in his name, take it up. Get it out of your way. If the demonic is hindering you, get it up. Get it out of your way. How do you do it? In the name of Jesus. You do it in the name of Jesus, amen? They shall take up serpents, in my name, if they drink any deadly thing. Now, this don't mean we're going to start drinking strychnine around here. That's another. I mean, not those people that do that, they're just wrong. Everybody say they're just wrong. But if you study this now, we know the Old Testament written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek. This actually talks about the poison of words. Now, you can get a report. You can go to the doctor and get a report, and it can poison you. You can go to the, to the lawyer, to the banker. You can get a bad report from any place or anything. But it literally, talk, this is talking about if you get a report that wants to poison you, poison your faith, it's not gonna harm you. It's not gonna hurt you. You say, why? Because you got a greater report. Amen. I said, you got a greater report. Amen. We got the report of the Lord. So if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. We shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now notice this. Number one, we should have supernatural evidence of our faith. Amen. Ought to get a better amen than that. Thank God for all we can do in the natural, but there should be some supernatural evidence. I tell you, church, God gave us some supernatural evidence over this storm. I, it wasn't a word of knowledge. It wasn't a word of wisdom. God just put an impression in my spirit. But supernaturally, prayer was made. Supernaturally, the name of Jesus was applied. Supernatural. Come on, church. A little, a little two and a half mile, 33 long fingernail stretch of land saved from all that destruction. Come on, church. Somebody ought to understand that's not natural. That's supernatural. Honey, we get every one of them that comes. Everyone that's ever come through has left us flat on our back. But this one, I believe it's time for revival on Galveston Island. I believe it's time for the people of Galveston to rise up and say, look what the Lord has done. We need supernatural evidence. Number two, the name of Jesus is the key that unlocks that power. That's the key. You say, what do you mean? That's why we need to learn the name. We need to study the name. We need to get into scripture and dig and dig and dig until that name is as much a part of us as our right arm, our left arm, our right leg, our left leg. And anytime anything rises up, we're cocked and loaded with the power of God. And we pull the trigger by saying, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to do that to me. I like this. The name of Jesus is a multifaceted demonstration of the victory of Jesus. 
Oh man, when you realize what he did to get victory into your life, to get all the blessings of God to you, and then he put that power of that name in your life, I guarantee you, you'll begin to rejoice. You'll begin to thank God you've got knowledge of that name, and then you'll be, you begin to use it and use it and use it. Now let me just say that. Thank you, Lord. I like when the Lord speaks to me when I preach. It's not like Aladdin's three wishes. Y'all heard about all that, amen? You know, Aladdin appears and, you know, you get three wishes and, and uh, uh, you know, then the last one, and if you make them wrong, all this kind of, no, no, no. Spiritual things, you say, well, I don't want to, I'd like to get a little knowledge, but I don't want to use up all my wishes. No, that, that's, that's not how it works. Literally, the name of Jesus in your life, now listen to me very closely, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. I'm telling you, great men of God that I've been able to meet over the years, great ministries, many of those men have gone on to be with the Lord. They had so much supernatural results in their ministry and it was because they used that name over and over and over and over and over and over. That name was so much a part of who they were so much, and they gave all the glory to the one who bears the name. Amen. Now real quick, I've got just about seven minutes. Go Go to Acts chapter 3. Now Jesus has been risen. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The church has begun. The Holy Ghost has been poured out. But that, that's it. The Apostle Paul hadn't written all of his great redemptive revelation. The teaching of faith that we have basically is reduced just to the revelation that Jesus taught in the four Gospels. They didn't know what the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, working of miracles, gifts of healing, they didn't know about any of that. But they knew about the name. They knew two things. We've been anointed and we have the name. Everybody say, I've been anointed and I've got the name. Say it again. I've been anointed and I've got the name. Now notice, notice what happens. Verse one, it says, Now, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Now this is, you know, a lot of people try to read a lot into that, but they were still involved in temple worship, part of, their, part of their Jewish heritage and tradition. It says, a certain man, lame from his mother's womb. So this is a man with a birth defect. How many would agree with that? Lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Now, notice two things right here. Number one, all the temple could do was look good. That's a type of religion. Amen. And all mankind could do was carry him. Now, many times that's the situation. All religion can do is look good and all mankind can do is carry you. But I'm telling you, a greater force is fixing to arrive on the scene right here. It says, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask alms. He was a beggar. Alms was money. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Now notice that again. Such as I have. Now that same power in that name that Peter had, you have. Now, let me try that again. That same power 
that Peter said, such as I have, you have that power. No, that's because he's an apostle. No, I'll show you that in a minute. That's not because he's an apostle. That's because he walked with Jesus. He taught, he handled Jesus. He was there. No, 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 no. It's the name. Everybody say, it's the name. Such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Oh, that name works. I said, that name works. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up, stood, walked, and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Woo, my goodness. I'd say that was a notable miracle. But I noticed this. I noticed this. And they knew that it was he that sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto them. And then it talks about the lame man and, and then all of the interaction that began to happen. Peter talked about uh, Jesus and Abraham and all that type of stuff. But I want you to go down to verse 16. This is the explanation to the crowd who was probably trying to exalt Peter and exalt John and exalt the miracle. But now here's his response. Now remember this. This is the Holy Ghost. This is his opportunity to inspire Luke. Everybody say Luke. You say, why, why, where does Luke come into the picture? He wrote the book of Acts by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So if the Holy Ghost is inspiring him to write this, here's the place where you write. It's because I'm an apostle. It's because I lived with Jesus three and a half years. Come on. It's because I was one of the 120 in the upper room. Is it that, now there's the place to write it right there. So what does he write? Now listen, here's what he writes. He writes this, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Amen. Oh, I tell you, you half of you should have run around the church. It was not apostolic authority. It was not because he'd been with Jesus three years. It was not because he was at the Last Supper. It was not because he was in the upper room. It was because of that name through faith in the name. Now that's where we have the problem. I wanted to get to this to identify the problem. You say, what's the problem? The problem is not the name of Jesus. The problem is faith in the name. It takes study. It takes meditation. It takes time in the Word. Listen, if you will spend time with Jesus, if you'll spend time in his word, if you'll spend time in prayer, meditating upon the word of God, the strength, the authority, the power, and the ability of that name will be released in your life so that you will become very proficient in using the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, now, I'll close. This will be the last scripture we look at. Look at chapter 4. Let's just start at verse one for just for, just for the sake of the story. It says, and as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved. Now listen, because somebody gets a miracle doesn't make everybody happy, especially religious folks. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid their hands on them, put them in the hole till the next day. 
for it was now evening time. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. So the church is even growing now because of the miracle. Came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes, Annas, the, the high priest, Caiaphas, and John, and Alexandria, and as many as were of the, kind, of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, now notice this, by what power or by what name have ye done this? Do you see that in your Bible? Now, we have to kind of do a little cultural adjustment here. Now, we have a, how can you say this? We have a hierarchy of government in America, not based on the name, but on the office. You understand that? Uh, for, for eight years, we had President Barack Obama. And it's the word president that gave him his rank, his authority, and power. But when he stepped down out of that office, another man stepped into the office and picked that up. We're not a named society. They were a named society. You say, what do you mean? Everything was done. See, they were occupied by Rome. And in Rome, everything was done in the name of Caesar. It was his picture on the money. I mean, you didn't go out. There wasn't a, there wasn't a Caesar's. That was not an office. That was a name. And they warred in the name of Caesar. They plundered in the name of Caesar. They destroyed in the name of Caesar. They gathered lands in the name of Caesar. They did it all in the name of their ruler. So they knew back in that society that names carried power. Are you with me? See, that's all changed in this generation. So they wanted to know, well, by whose power, by what name have you done this? Now, notice something. This is very interesting. If you're keeping notes, be sure and mark this. Notice verse 5. It says, then Peter, now notice the phrase, filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, God is putting a special emphasis. Listen to me. God is putting a special emphasis on what he's fixing to say. Everybody say, filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Said unto them, unto the rulers, rulers and people, elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done. Everybody say good deed done. That is what the name of Jesus is designed to do. Good deeds. So I tell you, my neighbor's giving me so I'm just going to curse him in the name of Jesus. It won't work. You'll curse yourself. You notice that's the only word that in God's name that's taken in vain. Amen. I've never ever heard anybody use the name of Satan or Lucifer to curse anything. Come on, church. They always use God's name. You say, why? Because it's, it's, it, those names have power in them. Now, notice this. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole. Now, I love this. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, it's because I'm a hot shot preacher. And I spent three years with Jesus and he walked through my wall and touched my, nope, nope. Everybody say nope. Be it known unto all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you home. This is the stone, woo, glory that was said of naught of you builders, which has now become the head of the corner. Neither is there any salvation in any other, 
For there is none other name, none other name, none other name, none other name under heaven given whereby men must be saved. Oh, hallelujah. What a wealth we have. What a treasure we have, church. Come on, somebody ought to rejoice in here this morning. What a wealth we have. What a treasure we have in the name above every name. Now understand this. Everything, we are a word culture around the world, all of the languages. We're not like cows and giraffes and rhinoceros. No, we have words. Words have different ranks of authority and power. But the one that sits at the top, above cancer, above drug addiction, above diabetes, above any injury, of any pain, of any poverty, of any lack, the one that sits at the top of them all, is the name of Jesus. And God has graciously and mercifully given us that name in 2017 to bring healing and relief and blessing and ability. Listen, when we go out of here and we feed people, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. When we go tear out houses, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. When we bring in teams and send them out, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Whatever we do, wherever we do it, however we do it, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. And when we do it in the name of Jesus, all heaven and every word of that book backs up what we do. But, everybody say but. We've got to get in there and dig. So that's what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks. Pastor Paul will be with us next week. We'll pick it up the next week. We're going to study. We're going to look in the Word of God. We're going to find out how he got his name. We're going to find out how it's applied. We're going to look at all the different facets. By the time we get finished with this, you're going to be so schooled on the name of Jesus, you're going to wake up on Monday morning and say, where's the devil? Where's a sick person I can lay my hands on? Where's somebody I can minister to? In the name of Jesus, I just got to use that name today. That's exactly what God wants you to do. That's why he's given us that name. Amen. Give the Lord a shout this morning. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.